You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Everyone, to Why Shamanism Now, this is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today in these most auspicious of times by calling out to our helping spirits to be with us here today that we might learn from those who have gone before us. So I call out to our ancestors, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines as a legacy into each one of our lives. And I call out to these people who lived well and died well and ask for them to stand behind us here today that they might support us, the living, in doing what is called of us in our time. And I ask these ancestral helping spirits to come through, even for those of us who don't know we have them, that now is the time that we need to learn from those who have gone before us, to know what we hold on to that is strong and true and necessary, and to know what needs to innovate, what needs to change, and how we show up to transform and become the medicine of our time. And as these human ancestors gather around us here today, so that we can do what needs to be done for those who are coming. I call out to those ancestors who've been here longer, way longer than there's ever been a human. I call out to our non-human ancestors here on planet Earth, those who create the great web of life, the enormous diversity within which we live, and I call out to that beauty. I call out to those spirits to help us to learn to be better people, to understand how to be who we are in the great web of life, and let the voice of humans be felt as a blessing on all life. Let us not be a virus in our own home. I call out to all of the helping spirits in their many, many forms to help us to understand what it means to be fully and truly human and bring the power of our heart to bear on our world in a good way for all living things. So as our helping spirits gather around us here today, let us open ourselves and draw our awareness from wherever it might be into our mind to focus from our mind to our heart and focus again from our heart to our belly and reach from our belly down to the earth, the great mother, the Pachamama, and to give thanks for this day. Thanks for life and the miracle of life. We give thanks to the earth for all that has been that has brought us to this moment, for this moment in time and for all that is to come. We give gratitude for the diversity and beauty in this dreaming, and we ask the energy of the earth to help us continue to learn what it means to be here in a good way. So as we reach down through all the layers of the earth to connect to the very, very center of the earth and ground ourselves, let us allow the gratitude in our heart for life itself to pour out into all the layers of the earth as we reach down, focusing and simplifying and coming to that place deep in the center of the earth where energies draw their power from solitude and darkness, from stillness and silence. 
And let us reach deeply into these energies that are the energy that exists before, before abundance, before even potential, before all the beauty that we share. So let us reach deeply in and draw up this energy that refreshes and renews and replenishes our soul. So we call out to this energy as we draw it up, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth, up into ourselves that we might gain uh, the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. And as we draw this energy up into our body and receive the restoration and replenishment, let us open ourselves and focus deeply in why are we here? Who are we? What do we stand for? And to build our life on those things that have heart and meaning. And to do that in a way that invites in those who are different than we are, that we might have the conversations and the interactions and the experiences in our life that open us up to truly grow into the men and the women that we have come here to be. So as we learn from the earth how to be in right connection with all aspects of ourself, with each other, with our neighbors, with our environment, and with the spirit world, let us come to understand the deep resonance of oneness, of our place in that great web of life. And may we take our sense of right relationship from this knowing. So from this centered and grounded place, let us reach up from our belly into our heart and from our heart to our mind and to reach up, up to the sky, out to the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. Let us reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe and reach out to that energy by whatever name you call it. And I challenge you in this week to learn another name by which others call this energy and learn to understand how many, many ways through the great diversity of humanity, we reach up to this radiant energy and ask for it to come down, to come down into our lives and bring us blessing. We draw this energy down to bring us protection. And with these energies, let us feel the energy of devotion and commitment and open ourselves to the benevolence of our universe. Let us call in this energy for inspiration and illumination and draw this energy in that we might know the beneficence of our universe and call it in and let that force also guide us. As we draw this blessing and protection in from our heads into our hearts, our hearts to our bellies and send it down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open that center channel that allows heaven and earth to connect these two great ancient ones, legendary lovers. And let the big love between these energies awaken the spirit of our own human hearts. And as that heart comes alive, let us awaken that crucible of transformation that lives in the human heart. And for each one of us, let us call up the fiery passions in our belly, call down the crystal clarity in our mind to draw these energies together here in our heart so distinctly different and let them dance a fiery and passionate tango or salsa or flamenco or something in our hearts that this tension between these two this dynamic tension can give birth to the third and most sacred thing that you carry in this life your one true responsibility 
which is to feel into why you are here and take responsibility to manifest those unique gifts in the world. So may you feel in your heart on this day some sense of your own unique genius. And may you reach out to those around you, embodied and in spirit, to help you to bring those gifts to the world in some way, large or small. For all the spirit help that we have that is truly countless, I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And I also want to give gratitude to the human beings who are moved by this show and able to offer financial support. So I give thanks to Evie herself, to Megan, to Maria, to Jose, to Swati, to Anna, John, Stefan, and all of those listeners who have donated the show recently. It is because of listeners like you that we are able to keep Why Shamanism Now on the air live with new shows flowing into the archives and the archives available at whyshamanismnow.com, at iTunes, and at co-creatornetwork.com for anybody, anywhere who can access our internet. Um, and for those of you that are helping me to pay the bills to make that real, I give great gratitude. And for those of you that aren't able to donate financially, be creative. There are many, many ways in this world of social networking, of shamanic practice, of reaching out to people into your community to help these um, ideas grow, to use them and share them and help this whole experience of bringing shamanic skills to bear in our contemporary lives in practical and effective ways, all of that. Um, there are many ways to support us in doing that and I ask you to do something large or small to help the energy exchange to keep flowing between the shows themselves and what they do in your life. So if this show moves you in any way today, um, whether it's to joy and enthusiasm and inspiration or frustration and irritation, you have been moved and please do that most shamanic of things, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world and do something large or small to help us here at Why Shamanism Now. And always, um, as always, if um, doing things via the internet is not um, to your liking, you can always email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I'm happy to give you regular old terrestrial addresses for regular old-fashioned checks. Um, We are live today. So um, if you would like to comment on our topic today, which is the shaman as activist with our guest, Evelyn Reisdyke, you may call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or as always, you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So our guest today is Evelyn Reisdyke. She joined us just a couple months ago to talk about her newest book, The Norse Shaman, but today she has joined me to talk about The Shaman as Activist. Welcome, Evelyn. Well, thanks very much for having me. I have to tell you, you do the best beginning of anybody's show that I've <laughs> I've listened to or been on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You just got them all in there. It's I love it. I love it. Thank you. So for those of you that are joining us for the very first time, you have no idea what shamanism is and you've never heard of either one of us. <laughs> Evelyn is a nationally recognized um, shamanic teacher and healer and speaker, artist and author. Um, I consider her 
assortment of books, some of the best that are out there for us as contemporary practitioners. Um, her Spirit Walking series with the Spirit Walker's Guide and also the Shamanic Tools um, are invaluable um, resources for anybody's contemporary practice. Um, and for those of you that have um, reach out to uh, more Norse ancestry as you look into your ancestors, her Norse shaman book that was recently published is also excellent. Um, she and Allie teach um, online, online, right? Online and in person, right? Primarily in person. Yeah, yeah. And so they're huge resources. You can go to spiritpassages.com to find books and classes and a huge uh, resource. Um, they, I mean, their website is a huge resource for contemporary practitioners. Um, and then you can also go to evelynreisdyke.com. Um, to connect with um, Evie's work in particular. And that's E-V-E-L-Y-N-R-Y-S-D-Y-K.com. Um, okay, so without further ado, let us forge ahead into today's topic, which is shaman as activists. Um, so you're joining us again. You know, we have this global audience. We never know who's really listening and when they're listening. So let's just start out by sharing what do you mean when you say shamans have always been activists? Well, the traditional shaman's role is one of creating harmony where there is disharmony. That could be a harmony within an individual who has fallen ill. It could be uh, healing a disharmony between individuals in a tribal group. It could be uh, creating um, stronger ties between people and their environment, all of which contribute to the survival of the particular tribal group. So it's not simply a spiritual path, but a, a spi- how do I want to say this? It is doing earth plane work with a spiritual dimension. So if you think about the um, tribal shamans in in hunter-gatherer tribes, and all of us in our history as human beings were hunter-gatherers once, even if we seem a long way away from that, uh, our culture as we recognize it is only, the patriarchal culture is only about 6,000 years old. So everything prior to that, we were hunter-gatherers pretty much, or early uh, agriculturalists. And so within a hunter-gatherer group, everyone in a tribal group is necessary for the survival of the whole. And the people needed also to not only work together, but be in harmony with the environment around them. And the shaman's role would be to access information, guidance, insight about how to help the people survive and to reach out beyond their ordinary senses to access those things that wouldn't normally be available. So if you were tracking a particular herd of animals that comes through your area every year, they don't migrate on a highway. They migrate over a wide uh, area, and you're on foot. Your entire group is on foot, including children and old people. How do you intercept that herd at the right time if you haven't got a helicopter or GPS or any way to determine where something is when it's far away. That would be the role of the shaman to use their connections to spirit 
alter their consciousness so that they could perceive the proper direction in which the troop could go. If someone in the group was ill, it would cause not only the hardship of having one person not contribute to the survival of the whole, they would be a burden to the group in having to be taken care of and thereby take energy away from the tasks of gathering firewood and gathering foodstuff and what have you. So it's really fundamental to help people get well. So you'd have to understand why they were sick and then have to understand how they could be treated. And if you are a hunter-gatherer, you're wandering through a landscape where the plants might change. In fact, um, during the end of the last ice age, the climate shifted so rapidly, the ice uh, advanced and retreated at the end of the ice age, and it happened so rapidly that within 10 years, an area could go from forest to tundra. And with those kinds of catastrophic climate changes, you would not always know what plants around you were good for medicine. So someone would have to be able to access that information that would normally be hidden from ordinary sight, ordinary experience. So that role of the shaman has always been intimately tied to survival, to the concrete tasks of having life run well. And so it is an active role. It is not simply a a spiritual leader role, although many shamans also fill that role in their communities. It is a role that directly contributes to the health and well-being of the group that they serve. So at its very root, the shaman and shamanism as a whole is really based in taking concrete actions in the world to make life run more smoothly, make life better. And And as you said earlier, often taking an action in non-ordinary reality to have a direct effect on the concrete physical world and and sort of managing that relationship and how they, they in, the spirit world is influencing the physical world and vice versa and sort of managing that interface, as you said, for the concrete tasks of having life run well, which is... Well, and, and, and the opposite is true also, mm-hmm. working with the people to be in right relationship with the spirits that sustain them. So how can we be in right relationship with the forest, with the mountains that are around us, with the river? How can we be in right relationship with the weather, with the animals that are here? So it, that, that doorway swings both ways. Mm-hmm. The, and the shaman would sort of stand in that doorway and make sure that the communication flowed back and forth between either side for the good of the whole. The, the beauty, I think, of this path is that it's not about an, it, just an individual consideration. It's about what will work for all parties to the best effort possible. How can we uh, sustain our own lives without having to uh, deplete a resource or uh, damage something that then someone else coming along could not use it? So that, 
that interplay between both worlds, I think, is really critical in the process. So it's not just taking action in the spirit world on behalf of the physical world. It's also taking action in the physical world in harmony with the spirit world. Precisely. So, so then here we are living in 2017 so what is your sense then as we as we bring these examples that you've shared that is sort of the tradition of how shamans operated in hunter-gatherer times so what what does that look like when the shamans are endeavoring to do the same thing but in contemporary times so what you know what how, how does the shaman now where, where is the shaman now called to do this work in contemporary times, since most of us aren't nomadic following reindeer? So some people are. <laughs> some people but are. Most but of us even... in the United States aren't, for example. <laughs> well, I think probably the best starting place for that is, is to consider what would be the, a much bigger picture than physical reality. So when we find ourselves reacting rather than responding to a situation, to have this ability to get the 30,000-foot view of what is going on and what your place is in supporting it to shift. It's uh, similar to the way we access guidance for whether or not we should do healing work with someone. Someone has approached us, wants to have healing work done. Is it our place to do that? We have to go and ask the spirits that we work with, this person has come to me looking for assistance. What, what is the right direction for us to take? Am I the right person to do this work? Should they work with someone else? What does the work entail? Having that broader picture can give us a direction that we can follow much more easily, and it is informed by that larger picture. So, you know, it's too easy, I think, to, as human beings, to have something happen in the world and we immediately want to react to it. But our reaction may, A, not be helpful, may actually uh, impede the cause that we desire to see, and um, muddle our effectiveness rather than to enhance our effectiveness. So I find being able to get that 30,000-foot view, that journeying and accessing the spirits that, that care for me and that I know I care for them, that gives me a perspective on how do we go forward, how do we support a shift and a change in a particular situation in a way that does not need to demonize, that can benefit the whole and to try to find that high ground when passions run very strongly is a challenge. It's certainly a challenge, and I'm not sure how easy it is to do without having the opportunity to get that 30,000-foot view. I can speak for myself and just say I would be useless without it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. You know. I'm just a human. I can be pretty smart about things, but when it comes to actually being able to um, see that bigger picture, understand all the variables at play, or even not understand them, but be given an action that allows us to 
respond to them without even knowing, you know, because a lot of times I'm given actions I don't particularly understand. But the point is, you know, the <laughs> variables are considered by the spirit world, the action gets taken, and then in retrospect, you can go, oh, wow, look, how, look at how, how those things worked out. And so, yeah, I mean, I know I can say for myself, and I say it all the time on this show, I wouldn't want to be a contemporary human without a relationship with spirit. It's too hard. It's too complex. Well, and, and we would have to do too much guessing. Yeah. You know, I, I can't know what the, what the environment around me needs except through the eyes of my anthropocentric mm-hmm. <laughs> viewpoint. How can I know what the trees need, what the river needs, what either other human beings need? How can mm. I know? I, exactly. You know, I think of myself as a smart person, but I don't think anybody is that smart that they can know in their heart that their decisions for other beings are appropriate. Right, and they if we're truly know. honest, we all pretty much see that what human beings do without significant transformational intervention is they repeat the same patterns. New versions, right. same patterns. And so even when they think they're doing the new thing, there's a tendency for all of us to repeat a version of what we know. We just don't know we're doing it until it's been done, and then we go, crap. <laughs> I've right, been here right. before. <laughs> okay. Mm, I All didn't right, see so, that coming, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so literally millions of women from around the world of all ages with children, men, other loved ones marched peacefully for an awe-inspiring, record-breaking, historic show of force, of love, of dignity on Sunday, January twenty-second, two 2017 as a global cry out for change. Okay. So how could we, since with shamanic skills, direct this wave of energy for change into actually manifesting change in our everyday lives? Oh, and, I think. Uh, go, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what I'm I was going to say, I think the the first thing comes to mind is to sit down and have a heart to heart talk with whatever spirit you trust the most to give you the clear answer that maybe you don't want to hear mm-hmm. and say, where are my blind spots? Mm-hmm. Where am I holding prejudice that I am unaware of? Where am I not living the, the soul of who I am? Because that work, which is really a kind of shadow work, keeps us from inadvertently repeating the pattern in a new form. If we have a sense of where our blind spots are, we can be more aware when we're speaking, when we're interacting with people. Oh, is, is this what I really mean to say, or is this that blind spot talking? To understand ourselves, to be willing to have the courage to look in the dark corners of who we are, and I don't care how brilliant a light we think we are, everybody's got little dark corners, and to look into those corners and say, where does my prejudice lie? Where is it that I am still uncomfortable with a particular group of people, with particular language, with whatever it might be? And how can I, knowing where the blind spots are, build some bridges to a greater awareness because that can help us 
come together in a way that nothing else will. Because everybody tends to fall back on the way we were enculturated. And every one of us was enculturated differently. So we tend to fall into these traps that are so familiar they become invisible to us. And until we're able to sit with people who look differently than we do, that worship differently than we do, that express their gender differently than we do, that have different viewpoints than we do on some things that we think are our bottom line, we can't, we can't, we can't shift on that, you know, whatever it might be. Until we can figure out how to build those bridges, we're not going to be as effective as we need to be in the world. To have all those women marching means we have opened a dialogue. We have opened a dialogue with each other because people were standing side by side that would have never been in the same social groups. And the next step is to figure out how can I continue to weave this kind of multicultural, multicolored, multigendered blanket that can preserve us. So then are there, so let's imagine that we did that or continue to do that and, and accept that this is going to be an ongoing requirement of our everyday life for the rest of at least years in my life, right? <laughs> I mean, yep, yep. We're not spring chickens. <laughs> um, but so we'll be stubborn enough to stick around, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not going anywhere soon. Okay, so with that said, though, what, um, what can we then, as we start thinking about uh, next steps, because there's way more than two. Um, what do, do shamanic practices in particular bring? And, and what, I'm, what I'm thinking about, for example, is, okay, so what if we did build bridges and we got a very diverse, interesting group of people together that would otherwise never have come together and that one of the shamanic things we could do with that group of people is that we could do an old old time true shamanism kind of oracle divination where the shaman mm-hmm. or shamans you know embody the spirits that want to work with this group of people to help them to manifest what is good for all living things and let them come mm-hmm. through and have the people ask questions and then the group publicly hear the answers so we get out of this isolated my helping spirits told me this into our helping spirits told us this and oh my wasn't it wonderful to have that affirm and oh my wasn't it terrifying to be told that thing I didn't want to know Mm -hmm. you know so one thing we could do would to begin again in the what do we want to call it the or I never quite figured out what the word is, oracular tradition. (laughs) Yeah, it's oracular, yeah. So that would be one thing. Like what other things do our shamanic skills give us to bring to this situation of activism in our time? Well, I can say merging with your power animals certainly can help your courage. You know, for people are starting to call their legislators 
in ways that they never thought they'd be able to do, and they have shared that it's scary for them. It's scary to reach out to a, to a perceived powerful person and share what's in your heart and where you think they're going wrong and what you'd like to support and not support. And simple thing is merging with your power animal. Give, you borrow some of that power that gives you the strength of heart to be able to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. You can use mm-hmm. you can use the material that you gain in journeys to help you interact with individuals because I think any great movement is built on individuals connecting. You know, it's easy for us to have this sort of big banner, but unless individuals become invested in connecting with one another, which is something that shamans are really good at, connection. We've learned how to do connection by working with the spirits of beings that are not human beings. We've learned how to build those bridges between us so that we're able to communicate. So communication and connection is, is critical with individuals, with individuals that fall outside of your perceived group. And I think that's especially important for those of us who are Caucasian. Because we have white privilege. And we, many people, I'm not included in that, but many people have hetero privilege. They have uh, a, maybe an economic privilege. And it's really critical for us to build those bridges with people that don't share that privilege, that need protection. People who are transgendered, who are gay, who are immigrants, who practice uh, Islam. These people need our protection. We need to stand with them, not in a parental way, but in a sisterly or brotherly way, that we Mm -hmm. stand shoulder to shoulder for the causes that are meaningful to them. That is... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's a, good, it's a good example of use your privilege. You know, when, when pr- privilege is a power that we don't necessarily um, merit, we're just given it. And so people tend to not use it. And this is, a, so I'm just commenting, this is a really good example, connecting, communicating, being the one who reaches out to begin to build the bridge is a good example day by day of how you could use your privilege. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's very interesting that women of color in particular that really started the March in Washington, there were women of color, young women of color that really got that off the ground, are saying to the white community, now you are getting a sense of the America that we have lived in for hundreds of years, where we did not feel safe that we, did, we do not have what you perceive as your privilege, or maybe that you don't perceive yet as privilege. So there, there are voices there that we need to listen to. We need to <clears throat> approach what, they, what that group has to say to us and really listen and not be defensive and to learn from the struggle that they have lived for hundreds of years, how we can move forward, again, shoulder to shoulder. And again, that's that, 
interacting with the, the other, and you can't see me making uh, air quotes, I'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. around the word, mm-hmm. the word other, is the nature of the shamanic practice. We are interacting with the spirits of nature, the spirits of animals and birds, the, the spirits of ancestors, the spirits of um, different kinds of beings that maybe aren't from this dimension at all, that were, that are unrecognizable in the same way that nature spirits are recognizable to us. So there's, there's an, uh, an ability to work with others in that place of respect, what I call that reverent participatory relationship. You step into that relationship knowing that you don't have the right course of action for both of us. You know, I have to get to know you. I have to understand how you tick. I have to understand where you're coming from and then work together with you on whatever the issue is. That is the nature of shamanic practice. Shamans are not powerful in and of themselves. They gain the ability to do what they need to do in the world through borrowing power from beings that are not like them. You know, we're, we're, we borrow energy from animals. We borrow energy from the river. We borrow energy from the weather. We do the, from the fire. We borrow that energy, and we're able to borrow that energy because we've developed relationships. We've developed relationships that are honorific with those beings, that are mutually respectful, and through that, we're able then to borrow that power to do our work. So that that idea of working with an other, again, air quotes, is intrinsic to shamanism. So this... So- I would just want to interject on this point because this is really important because the other thing about, at least in my experience about what you're saying, is that doing all of that wonderful stuff, you know, ooh, borrowing power, most go, yay, it's really uncomfortable. Oh, it, yeah. It, you know, it always is pushing me out of my comfort zone. And so I think that there's a piece in this this part of what we're talking about that is um, it means we have to accept that most of what we are doing we will be outside of our comfort zone and to gain a capacity to function from a centered compassionate place outside of your comfort zone Mm-hmm. And and I and I bring this up because I I know that a lot of people are drawn to shamanism because they're uncomfortable in the world and the sort of shamanic practice, in usually a somewhat isolated shamanic practice, becomes their warm fuzzy place. Yeah. And and what you and I are really talking about today is recognizing that in this application of shamanism as a tool by which we create potentially social change um, in our world, it isn't going to be comfortable. It's not going to be a warm, fuzzy place that we are um, not only in non-ordinary reality with the helping spirits, but in this whole thing you're talking about, which is what does it really take to open one's heart um, to anything that is, quote, on, you know, air quote, the other. It, 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 we're, we're, we're saying learn to live in your comfort zone in a good way in a period of time when people are defining their own preferences in everything that is inputs their life. So right. now people have a preference zone inside their comfort zone. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah and, and unfortunately, that, <clears throat> that can become really isolating. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if we, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to clear my throat. Sorry, Ken. <clears> throat> there we go. If we stay only within our comfort zone, I find that the comfort zone gets smaller and smaller and smaller uh, based on circumstance, based on aging, based on, you know, all different parameters. Our comfort zone can become more and more restrictive. And if we continue to push the edges of our comfort zone, that's the place where we learn. That's the place where we grow. And in truth, if we are willing to borrow power, we have the responsibility to work with it well. We have the responsibility of pulling ourselves up to a place of courage to be willing to step into those places that are uncomfortable. You know, that's part of the responsibility of wielding power. And I think culturally we're not really good yet at taking responsibility. We're learning but I, I like to say culturally, we're kind of 19 years old. We want to drive the car, but we don't want to pay for gas or pay for the right. insurance. Precisely. And so, yeah. and my apologies to 19-year-olds who are responsible out there. I was using that as a metaphor. The idea that we have to take the responsibility that comes with power, the responsibility that comes with privilege, the responsibility that comes with a good education, the responsibility that comes with a, a, a decent wage, all of those things are powerless in the earth plane. And we need to step up to a place of responsibility about all those, rather than a sense of entitlement around them, but to recognize that they are a responsibility as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, that's kind of a tough sell, I think. But not oh, in the yeah. shamanic world, it isn't. In the shamanic <laughs> world, we understand we have a mutual relationship, say, with a power animal. That power animal keeps us safe when we do our work. It would be really dumb to piss that power animal off, you know. This is not a wise idea. How can we maintain a good relationship? That's really critical. So that becomes my responsibility to maintain that relationship. And I have to say that I learned more about right relationship with human beings and other living things. Um, The discomfort and training my helping spirits gave me about how to be in relationship with them. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I, I personally find all of this that is my life now very challenging for exactly this reason is constantly being pushed in this dynamic relationship with our helping spirits to step into greater power and responsibility and do what our time is asking us to do. It's, um, it's for me, it's, it's not, you know, rainbows and bunnies. <laughs> well, it's I hard. mean, the simple fact the simple, it is hard. The simple fact is when you become cognizant that you're not surrounded by its, but by whose, mm-hmm. you now have to think consciously about what you do in the world because you're now not just impacting the background, you know, you're not the, the nature being a background or whatever being a background to your life. You are interacting with beings each time and you're affecting those beings and you have to take responsibility for how you impact the beings around you, whether they be human or other other forms. If, if suddenly everything has a spirit, is alive, 
then, you know, it, it brings you to a place of pause where you are making a conscious decision when you do things. And that's, that really does fly in the face of the way we're kind of culturally trained to just go about our business and not pay too much attention. And, and yet here we are <laughs> in our world today. Um, okay, so let's circle back to what what um, what does shamanism give us as tools to bring to bear in um, an organized effort towards changing things that we feel need to be changed or influencing things that need to be influenced. So we are talking we've talked about divination and and other aspects of working with your helping spirits and in particular this focus on our own self-awareness, self-reflection and abilities there. So we we could also speak to ceremony. I mean, could Absolutely. we use ceremony as a way to shape this obvious global energy towards change but to actually you know it's like it's like this wave that's waiting to be sent through something to manifest something and if we don't do that honestly it's just going to raise everybody's frustration level Mm -hmm. and I, i can certainly say if we're planning to do ritual that it has to be so explicitly about creating harmony <clears throat> because otherwise we're talking about if we talk about ch- making change through damaging another being that is not going to work the universe is not going to support that <laughs> well plus it's However, hypocritical right i mean cuz exactly that's exactly. our biggest beef right is that these policies are damaging to other living things and to things we all need like water or bees right mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty hypocritical then to to construct some sort of shamanic process that would be damaging. Exactly. And so it has to be around creating a better world for all beings. For all beings. Even the beings that are being disruptive. Yeah. Because at the core, they are human beings who are misguided by dogma. They are misguided by greed or some other reason. And so even they require that sense of balance coming to them as well. They, they need to have a shift because usually bullies in all forms are usually incredibly insecure, whether they be uh, a politician or the, the kid who harassed you on the school bus. They are incredibly insecure. They are fearful, and their worldview is based on taking action to assuage their own fear. So if we, and and often those actions are destructive to other beings because they are trying to protect their own interests to try to feel safe. So we have an obligation to work in ways, I think Sandra Ingeman's transfiguration ceremony is incredible for this because you're changing the world around you in ways that you aren't even always conscious of but you are bringing about harmony. You can do ritual around gratitude for the things in the world that are working just fine, that you help to make more of what is working well in the world by honoring the spirit of the air and the spirit of the water and the spirit of the the plants and the animals that are around you and the fact that the weather still moves the air and all those things that you can give thanks for in your life. 
because that not only puts out ripples that help produce harmony in the world, they produce harmony inside of us. So we don't get frustrated, we don't go into fear, and we don't become reactive. You know, it's the dance of doing for the outside that also teaches us inside. Ritual, by its very nature, can reprogram our own subconscious because we are taking, first of all, we have a clear intent and we are taking action. And the action that we take is being witnessed by our subconscious. So we are teaching our subconscious about what is important. We are teaching our subconscious that this action is that it, this action is doing something. We are teaching our subconscious that the content of our ritual, if it be gratitude, is a force that is doing something out in the world. Why else would be would be taking all of these concrete physical actions? And the more that we practice them, the more that we train that subconscious about the true nature of the world. It's a great way to break internal patterns during ritual because you don't necessarily have to focus on breaking the pattern. You simply replace it by teaching the subconscious that is always listening, always paying attention about what is so. And so that's, that's a powerful tool for changing the reality around us as well as the reality inside of us. So for listeners, I just want to point out that in this, um, you know, different ways that Evelyn's talking about how we can work um, shamanically, she's already given examples of kind of the two kind of basic ways shamans, past or present, can create ceremony or ritual that can affect change. So one, when, for example, when she's talking about gratitude, is the kind of ceremony that um, reinforces or recognizing the status quo and helps, in, in a sense, to bring us back into harmony with that which is already as it should be. And so if we look, think about the and Southwest. And strengthening it. And strengthening and it, strengthening. right. So if we think about the Southwest and their um, sings. This is, a, this is a whole library of ceremony that is about bringing, restoring um, the person to the as-it-should-be place and strengthening the as-it-should-be place. The other kind of um, practice that, that Evie's talking about also is that which transforms. That's which our, our current status quo is problematic and we need to retrain ourselves. We need to transform something. We need change. And that's the other kind um, of ceremonial or ritual work that shamanic practitioners do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in terms of this time that we are in when such um, big change is necessary for all life, um, another kind of shamanic ritual that we've talked about on the show and I've done really, really powerful work within my own student community is a specific kind of ritual called a conjure dance, which, so the Mm -hmm. most familiar version of this for most people who don't realize they know this would be the sun dance. So, so the value of a conjure dance is that it is a way to bring in a vision and that everybody who's dancing in the dance embodies a part of the vision and, and thus begins to feel it and own the collective vision of what could be. And it's, um, it's, it is a direct and powerful remedy for hopelessness 
and lack of vision, um, despair, you know, those kinds of energies. Um, the other way that it can be used would be to conjure, back to the whole borrowing power thing, would be to conjure sort of energies that are needed in greater volume than perhaps we have them at this time. And so um, the, the conjure dance is another uh, kind of um, ritual or ceremony that shamans use. And so I would really like to encourage practitioners who are working with their helping spirits at a level to actually divine ritual and ceremony relative to this work that we're trying to do. You know, first we need to define what that work is. As Evie said, you know, the beginning steps is looking at yourself, looking at the current reality and what does need to change. But we begin to actually consider that it's time to start taking action as mm -hmm. practitioners to begin to craft ritual and ceremony for the task at hand. So, for example, let me just say, okay, so Evelyn and I have both been part of the Year of Ceremony, which is a wonderful honor. And I, this, what I'm about to say is not a criticism in any way. Every ceremony offered has been wonderful, rich, and powerful in its own way. Many, many things have been moved and changed and transformed by um, participation in those ceremonies. So what I'd like to say, though, is now what if – each of those ceremonies, 13 ceremonies, we haven't even done them all yet, but what if each of the 13 ceremonies had shared a common purpose or function? Mm -hmm. And and um, like um, continuing the progress of America as a country towards an effect in the world that is good for all life. So all mm -hmm. the policies being incited in America would point towards that, what is good for all life. So if that was our focus, so what if each ceremony had that purpose and all the presenters worked together so that each ceremony actually took the results of the one prior and moved it further along. Mm -hmm. So this is what I've been thinking in terms of what shamanic activism can mean. It's not that the year of ceremony uh, year hasn't been fabulous, but what if, you know, what if we had all been asked to do a ceremony that focused on the same thing. Yep. Or what if we did that now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really have a shamanic call to action. Yeah. I mean, that's really what's being stimulated at this time, our call to actions. Calls to action. I'm not sure where the S goes. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where pe people are saying, all right, this is, the, this is the call to action for this week. This is the call for action for next week. We're individual legislators are being called or whatever it might be. And the same thing could come to pass in shamanic work. We can share that vision, even even that idea of a vision that you I think you stated it really beautifully about creating an America that is uh, an effective energy for the good of all beings. And have everyone do individual ceremonies on that very thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many, many that listen to these podcasts, and they don't have to even listen to it live. The recordings are around just about forever. So you can uh, do that ritual many times in many different ways and open your heart wider and wider and wider each time you do it and share the results with your drumming circles, with your friends, 
and collaborate on how could we do this differently? How could we make this a community ceremony? Because there's yeah. nothing of, there's nothing that somebody could say, well, uh, I don't like that ceremony. It's a, it's a pretty open-ended and heartful way of looking at the change we want to see in this country. How can we be a powerful force for the good of all beings? How, so how we're kind we of do that. Yeah, I mean, we have about five minutes. So let's so let's each offer listeners something. So what I would offer listeners in you know, in this question, how do we really do this? Well, I mean, we've already given a lot of steps that need to be taken. But what I would encourage people to do is to actually consider what you feel the goal is, and, and like in the future, and then look back and let that define the chunks of things that need to happen because I feel like what's happening right now particularly in shamanic circles is everyone's doing the next ritual that takes the next step outside of their comfort zone but I'm not sure that's it's necessary but I'm not sure it's sufficient to really do what needs to be done in our time and that's back saying before is I think we need to like really embrace if I am not uncomfortable today I'm not showing up (laughs) (laughs) And I can have my cup at 4 o'clock and have a little moment of respite. But um, So my suggestion would just be let's look at what needs to be done and then start looking at the chunks of things and how do we start doing that sooner rather than later so that we don't literally run out of time. So what, what would you what would be your, how do we do this that you would offer to people like right now, assuming they can journey? assuming that people can journey and you can learn it in lots of different ways if you don't know, would be to find out what is my part in creating positive change in the world. However you want to say those words, I I would probably say contribute to the healing of all that is in my language, where the world is safe for everyone to live, where children all have enough to eat, where the water is clean and the air is clean, all those things that you can imagine being um, a safe place for all living beings. And ask what your part is in that. Ask what your part is. And then be courageous enough to share that with at least one other person and invite them to do the same journey. And then find out where those two things cross over so that you can work then together and perhaps invite more and more people into that community effort, keeping that high road of what is it that would be good for all beings so no one feels marginalized, restricted, um, injured in any way. And again, that our environment is protected so that all the biozones are safe those, those things are critical to all life on Earth. And by creating that ripple inside yourself with another person, with a gathering that you make little by little, and make that your focus, perhaps you come together weekly or monthly to do more work on that. And you journey ahead of time to find out how the spirits want you to do it at that time. 
Are you making an offering bundle? Are you coming up with a song with spirit that you are sharing with that, those people so that they could sing it as a prayer? The, over the 20-something years now that I've been doing drumming circles, and, and eight of those years were weekly, I have never been disappointed by what the spirit provided as a direction. They will come up with things that you couldn't possibly imagine that will be fruitful, that will encourage you, that will encourage others, and create the change that you want to see in the world. It's that simple. Having that tool of being able to journey, and if you don't know how, please learn. It's a powerful tool. I I say it's like having the master keys. You can get into all the rooms and being able to ask those spirits who have the 30,000-foot view of, okay, I hold this vision of I want it to be a world where all beings are safe and the environment is clean, however you want to word that. What is my what is my part today? How do I inspire this group this week, this month, and continue that as your mission? And if that mission evolves into taking more concrete actions, perhaps your group gathers and sings the song somewhere and teaches it to a community. Perhaps you take a stand as a group at your local legislature. Perhaps you decide that you're going to register voters this year as a group. All of those things can flow from that place that you have gotten in your journeys. So you have built that bridge already between the spirit world and the physical world. You've gone for inspiration to spirit (laughs) to support that heartfelt desire that you have that every being feel what you most desire, which is to have a safe place, that you have enough to eat, that you are happy. Whatever, whatever those feelings are inside of you that you most want to feel in your life, trust that every single being on the planet wants those same things. They want to know that their children will have a place in the world. They want to know that there's food enough and water enough clean air to breathe all of those things thank you Evie thank you so much thanks for joining us this week in this auspicious time in our country and in the world for change and true transformation and thanks for this practical view that let's use our shamanic skills to make change in our world so thanks for being with us this week well thanks for having me you know I love to have these chats (laughs) So if you want to reach Evie, you can reach her at EvelynRiseDyke.com or SpiritPassages.com. I want to give gratitude to all the helping spirits that have gathered with us here today, those that support each of us in our work, to the energies above and the energies below and to the heart in the center that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, and may these words bring richness to your week.